Blog Talk Radio. But I'm with you when you're all alone. And you correct me when I'm looking wrong. I see the guilt beneath the shame. I see your soul through your window pane. I see the scars that remain. I see Wayne. I'm looking at the Oh my goodness, people, what's going on? Psychic Cats that have been here live and direct from Los Angeles. I haven't talked to you guys in a long while. Trust me, much has been going on health-wise, uh, movie-wise, life-wise. Things have been good. Uh, I want to say a happy Easter to all you folks out there, to all you folks who are rising up and looking out the window and looking at your life and wondering where it's going on. But for many, it's a great day. Uh, they talk about the Lord has risen. It's a very interesting um, section in Matthew. I think it's Matthew 28. When they talk about uh, the angel of the Lord descent, wait, probably go. Uh, the earthquake uh, among uh, the earthquake shook violently as the angel of the Lord descended from the heavens, and his contours was luminous, and his his clothes was bright. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, just with my own analogy in there. And uh, he pushed the rock aside and told the two women that were there that the Lord has risen. He is no longer in this cave. Go tell the people and the guards who were so who was sh- who were shaking so much fell to the ground dead. So that's a little interesting parable. Uh, not parable. It's a paragraph from uh, Matthew. I think it's Matthew twenty-eight, three, four. No, two, three, and four. But today is not about theological conversation. Today is not about a conver- uh, conversion conversation. It's not really about any of that. It's really about resurrection life, and it's really about your life. This actually this hit me this morning. First off, it's been, I think, about a month since we've actually conversed on air, uh, three weeks. No, no, about two weeks because I talked to her so, so a while ago. Um, hopefully our show is helping her get the funding for her movie, One Night in Brooklyn. Check her out. Go on Indiegogo. It's called One Night in Brooklyn. Sosa is doing that. Great project. She's great people. Much love for her. She, you know, she knows where she stands with me. Um, and since then, it's been, um, you know, spring break for school. We'll go back to class tomorrow and... Uh, Finals we have in a couple of weeks, at least uh, you know, a little over a month when June comes around. So if you're ready for that, another surgery is coming up, people. April uh, 26th, they're gonna be operating on the same arm, but this time on the el- the elbow. So all you faith warriors out there, regardless of belief, you know, send me your prayers and stuff like that. And speaking of operations and prayers, you know, mom came out of the hospital today, and it was interesting because I saw the parallel between the angel of the Lord coming down and opening the cave and showing there's no one there. And my mom leaving the hospital today, uh, leaving the cave. So anyone goes there now, they say, oh, she's not here. She had already left. And um, she uh, had heart surgery. A lot of people don't know about it, but now you're probably hearing it for the first time. And she had heart surgery. Uh, it was very stressful from these last couple of weeks, last month and a half, obviously. Firstborn couldn't be there in, in, in spirit and uh, in the physical presence, but I talked every day as much as possible sent a nice video email, a text message to her, showing my love. I really missed her. I really miss her. And I'll be there soon. You know, so, But that was very difficult. But today she left the cave of the hospital. And my question for you guys is, what are you doing in your life? I mean, every year this happens, you know, resurrection, Easter comes around, and people will say, um, well, you know, he he raised up for us, and so we could be born again, and we're all sinners, and all that kind of stuff, and 
Then the next day comes around Monday, it's like, oh, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm getting sick of this stuff. It's like I'm going to choke that coworker of mine. I'm sick of these people. Yeah, you ever had that flow? So my thing is for you guys, like, what is happening? What's happening with you guys on the real? Because we're gonna, a lot of people are going to give praise today. A lot of people are going to go to church or have went to church or at church right now and will come back from church on tonight. And they're going to hear some great sermons. They're going to hear some great speeches. They're going to hear some, you know, the, the Jews, I believe, are going to be reading Leviticus in the Old Testament. I'm not sure if I have that correctly. Um, but what are you doing? You're happy. You're full of the spirit. And then tomorrow comes and you're right back into, I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's like, come on. So what are you doing out there? Like, seriously, what are you doing? Are you really out there making that difference in your life? Are you living your life? I mean... Look, it's not going to be me talking all night tonight. I want to play a little music because music talks. Music really speaks to the people. Music speaks to your, you know, to your soul, as I see it. And that's something I've always believed, that music can definitely be something that inspires and uplifts. So I want to play some songs today. I might do a little sermon uh, that T.D. Jace gave some time ago that was called uh, Three Kind of Friends, which I think is really apropos. But let's go back to the back of the day here. Um, Harry Stewart, it was a movie that escapes me that has a, had a Charlie scene in it. And there was a song he sang called End of My Journey. Now, no one knows what the guy is now, and he sang the song, the song live in the movie itself. But the words, I think, are very apropos. So I'm going to rock this song for you, and um, let's have a conversation tonight. Hopefully, you know, like I said, it's not, a, you know, I may quote some of the scripture. I may, I may quote, you know, the Bible, the Quran. I may quote whatever, you know, life itself. But it's really, people, it's, it's resurrection life. And are you doing that with yours? Are you just going through the motion and you give all this praise and stuff like that today or on Sunday or when you go to the mountaintop on Friday? But then when you walk out the door, you're back to, oh, Lord, what's going on with my life? All right? So it's really, I'm, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I just hoping that this hour that we're together, I say something that really sparks something in your mind or is a missing puzzle to some of your, your uh, cerebral thoughts. And it's like you go out and you rule the world tomorrow. That's why I tell all my students, rule the world. I don't care if they're seniors down to the seventh graders, whatever. Go out there and rule the world. Don't get ruled by the world. All right? You rule by God, but go out and rule the world. Harry Stewart, end of my journey.
Better by and by. I think that's a little slur in the beginning, but hey, the spirit came through. Better by and by. Give me a little more time. So what is your battle? What are you fighting right now? Are you looking at, you know, battling about going to school, staying in school, just your life overall? What is your battle? I think a lot of times, I know my life has always been moments where I've you know, felt that tinge of despair and saying, you know, Lord, you know, why am I here? Like, what do you want from me? You know, what do you want me to do? I'll show you my own life. It was like years back. Um, I was sitting in this very chair, but I think back in 2009, and I was going through um, a lot of pain. I didn't know what the issue was um, at that time. And, well, oh, my God. Even now I get kind of dread thinking about it, but I was sitting in a chair, and I'd feel this shock of pain go through my body. And it was going, you know, then it'll be gone. Then I'll be in bed, and I can't move, and then it's gone. Then I'll be uh, in class sitting down and, it would just hit me, then it was gone. I didn't know what was going on. It was just going on. It was just going on for a while. And it was a very difficult time in my life at that moment in terms of, you know, people, you know, just walking out or just betraying me and things like that. And I remember sitting in this very chair, like tears in my eyes, and I was like, you know, you know, God, why is this happening to me? You know, all my family is back in Boston. Um, you know, my family, not my Hollywood family, but my you know, friends. I'm talking about my family. My aunt's in a Northern Cal. I have an uncle in Diego, but my whole family's back east. And it was really dread having to go to the hospital over and over again, late at night, sitting there waiting for an MRI, and just, you know, the 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 loneliness of the night would just envelop me. And it was like a very, very difficult time. I spent a lot of time reading scripture and just talking to the ancestors and. I don't think I really talked to a lot of people on that time. Since I loved my life down there in Atlanta, Julie. And um, what turned out is that I had a herniated disc, you know, which relieved me because I didn't know what the problem was. And that did get resolved. But yet I remember that time vividly. And I think maybe some of you listeners out there are going through the same thing. You're asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Like, what am I doing? You know, I'm out there, you know, following the spirit. I'm trying to live a righteous life. I'm trying to, you know, serve God. But these things keep happening to me. And, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world you have to understand. And always remember this. And I think I said this. Yeah, I did say this to one of my classes uh, one day. And we were when, uh, one of my students having a problem about life. And I said, you know, um, there's two kinds of people. Um, some people walk through the valley of death. And other people choose to stay there. And, you know, it's like there was a, a, an, an image that popped my mind, but it'll come back. But a lot of people like the misery of, of life. A lot of people like to suffer. It might be hard to believe. You're like, what are you talking about? Someone wants to suffer in life? You're out of your mind. But no, I, I say that. It's true. A lot of people, they like it there. They like, you know, people coming to them and trying to cheer them up. They like getting that phone call. People trying to cheer them up. They like getting that text message and stuff like that. You're okay. And you want to spend some time. They like that stuff because that's the only way they get attention. And they feel that if they don't do that, they won't get attention. But you know, that's not the way to live because sooner or later the people will get tired of, of, of just coming to that person and trying to help them up because you say to yourself, you know, if this person doesn't want to rise up, they're not going to rise up. So why am I going to bother helping these people? You know, what's the point of doing that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So what what's the battle that you're fighting in your own life and why is that battle even there? I mean, what's really going on with you in reference to I want to make that change. Is there a dream that you want to do? Are you are you fulfilling your goals or anything like that? Do you even know what your goal is? You know, here's the idea that I share with my students. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, what do you like to do? Let's just do it that way. 
what is it you just like to do? You can't explain it. You don't understand. You don't know why. But you just have to do it. What is it? Is it like you like to write? Is it you like to sing? What is it that that's in your life that you like to do? That's what you're supposed to be doing. But so many of us, we let a job get in the way. We let a relationship get in the way. We let our kids, you know, kids get in the way. We let everything get in the way. But the problem is that what's getting in the way is that valley of death, and you're staying there because what's in the way is keeping you there. But you're supposed to be walking through whatever you're going through right now. But you have to understand that you're supposed to, you're here for a reason to do something. This isn't some Oprah or anything like that type, you know, you know, find your passion. Maybe it might sound like that. I don't know. And I'm not being trying to say anything disparaging towards her. But I think these days a lot of people are going to the churches or going to the self-help books or going to all these places trying to find the answers to what they can do in their own life. But the answer is actually inside of you. In fact, I know to a lot of my Christian friends out there, if they understand the words of Jesus during the 40 days, he said it. You know, because everybody's talking about the waiting for heaven to come to earth, the waiting for heaven to lower to earth. But the thing is, Jesus said, heaven's all around you. He says, you know, everybody's waiting for the kingdom to come down to earth. The kingdom's all around you. It's inside you. It's outside you. It's around you. And I think that's the problem we have. I think many of us are sitting back and we're figuring, you know, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I think it was Doctor, I think it was Mr. Minister Malcolm would say, well, if it's in, if if like it is, if if life on earth now is like it's in heaven, there's a problem. <laughs> so, but my thing is again, what is it that you want to do? Let's go back to a little cut here. In the beginning, when we came into the show, we had a song. Um, you heard a uh, mirror. Uh, by Little Wayne and Bruno Mars. It's very interesting because I came across this song by one of my students, Tony, in 9B, who we were just doing our first interview. And check him out on an earlier show. Uh, it's 9 Beats, B-E-A-T-Z. Um, it was me, uh, it was he, myself, and Troy. But if you listen, I asked him, what's that song about? He goes, he's just looking in the mirror talking. So let's give that song a, let's give that song a listen here. And then we'll come back and ask you that question about what you guys see in the mirror. Uh, Little Wayne and uh, Bruno, let's let's flow it one time. Uh, well, everything happening today, you don't know whether you're coming or going, but you think that you're on your way. Life lined up on the mirror, don't blow it. Whoa. Look at me when I'm talking to you You looking at me but I'm looking through you I see the blood in your eyes I see the love in disguise I see the pain hidden in your pride I see you're not satisfied And I don't see nobody else I see myself I'm looking at the But I'm with you when you're all alone And you correct me when I'm looking wrong I see the guilt beneath the shame 
soul through your window pane. I see the scars that remain. I see Wayne, I'm looking at you. I'm dead. Light it up, that smoke and mirrors. I even look good in the broken mirror. I see my mama smile, that's a blessing. I see the change, I see the message. And no message could have been any clearer. So I'm starting with the man in the mirror on the wall. MJ taught me that. Here we are again. Through my rise and fall. You've been my only friend Take them to Mars, man You told me that they can Understand the man I am So why are we Talking to each other again? Mirror on the wall P. Looks like I did take him to Mars this time. So why are we talking to each other again? <laughs> Mirror on the walls. Very. I like that flow, and particularly the image out there of Little Wayne. I don't know if it's the album cover or a CD. They even do albums anymore. CD cover for this song with his image of him looking in the mirror, and the reflection is actually that that baby picture of him. I think he's in middle school or something like that, looking back. It's really poignant when you look at that. And I think this song was very reflective of a lot of people when they're looking in the mirror. What do you see and what are you hearing and what do you see? Are you seeing yourself as a loser and some person that's a failure? You're not a failure. You're not a loser. Maybe that point, you know, maybe where you are right now as you're listening to this, maybe everything is flowing the way you want to be. So are you passing that knowledge forward to somebody else? Are you encouraging somebody? Are you uplifting somebody? Are you telling someone, hey, look, you know, you have value, that you know you are here for a reason? You know, I know some people think it sounds kind of corny. We say, oh, you know, everybody's here for a reason. But, you know, the odds of that egg conceiving with the sperm and resulting is you. Those odds are a lot bigger than hitting the super lotto from what I understand. So you're right, hit the lottery by being here. But it doesn't make any difference if you're like five, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, you know, just begin again. You know, if you're still thinking about what you want to do with your life and you already know is it, know what it is, then go do it. But sometimes you have to look in that mirror and ask yourself, what do you know? Ask, what are you saying back? Are you seeing yourself as a champion? And the thing, another thing about champions, you know, champions are like eagles. I remember Joel Osteen said this one day that eagles fly alone. It's pigeons that fly in a flock. And maybe sometimes it's your friends who are around you that are holding you back. 
And they are the symbolism of that valley that's keeping you there. They're the roadblock because you won't let them go. But, you know, I remember T.D. Jakes did a, did a sermon some time ago, Three Times a Friend. Let me rock that to you. Let me let you uh, give it a listen to because I think it's a very apropos in reference to, you know, sometimes it's not just you. Sometimes it's the people you're around that's keeping you where you are. And you have to understand who's your real friends. So let's let uh, T.D. Jakes speak a little bit here, Rock it. I think he gave this at a, a service New Year's Day about three years back. But it's still relevant today, in, in particularly in our lives. To be covered by God and walk in the area of your destiny. You can't be limited to just working with people who look like you. Or think like you, or vote like you, or dress like you. You got to get out of the box because God's going to use a whole lot of people to bless you, to move in and out of your life, and you can't be narrow or one-dimensional. This is a coat of many colors. <laughs> oh, yes. It's a coat of many colors. Do not categorize the blessing by colors. It is not the colors you need to watch. It is the character. Watch out for the character. Mm. I'm going to tell you, there, there are three basic types of people that you will interact with if you are a child of destiny. Are you, can I share this with you? The first group are confidants confidants. You will have very few of them. Confidants are those people in your life who love you unconditionally. They are into you. Whether you're up or down, right or wrong, they are into you. They are in for the long haul. If you get in trouble, they get in trouble with you. They'll come see you in the jailhouse. They'll, they'll come get you out of the crack house. They're confidants. You can open up and share anything with them. You'll never inherit your kingdom until you find your confidant. Uh -huh. You can't be David till you find your Jonathan. Having a good confidant is the key that unlocks the kingdom because you were raised outside the gate and God's going to cause you to reach over the wall. You've got to have a confidant behind the wall who can mentor you for what God is going to do next in your life. The problem with most people is that everybody they run around with is under them. And so you are forever feeding people who can't feed you. And after years of feeding them, they begin to drain you. You've got to have somebody who can feed you so you can feed somebody else. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Am I talking to anybody in here? You, you need the confidant then. The confidant is those few people that come along in your life that are for you. They are with you. They are intimately intertwined in your life. They are there to make sure that you reach your destiny. They will confront you. They will get in your face. They will get in your business. They will tell you when you're wrong because they are confidants. If you have two or three of them in a lifetime, you are a blessed person. Without them, you'll never be who God called you to be. You need to find your confidant. Number two, the other group are your constituents. They are not into you. They are into what you are for. 
They are for what you are for. They are your constituents. And as long as you are for what they are for, they will walk with you and work with you and labor with you, but never think that they are for you. They are for what you are for. And you have to know that because if they meet somebody else that will further their agenda, they will leave you and hook up with them because they were never for you. They were just for what you were for. They are your constituents. And throughout your life, if you're not careful, particularly if you're broken, you will mistake your constituents for your confidants. And you will think that they are for you when they are really not for you. They are just for what you are are for and by the time you get through falling in love with them they will break your heart as they hook up with somebody else who is for what you are for because it was never about you anyway it was about the causes that you represent they are for what you are for but they are not for you they are your constituents can I go deeper with this the third group are your comrades these people are not for you nor are they for what you are for. It is just that they are against what you are against. And the comrades will make strange bedfellows. This will cause people to come together who are not for you, and they are not for what you are for, but they are against what you are against. And they will team up with you to help fight a greater enemy. But don't be confused by their associations. They will only be with you until the victory is accomplished. These people are like scaffolding. They come into your life to fulfill a purpose. And when the purpose is complete, the scaffolding is removed. But don't be upset when they are removed because the building always remains when the scaffolding is removed. What I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters, expect the constituents and the comrades to leave you and desert you after a while. Don't be upset when they don't react to your dream the way you expected them to because they were never really with you in the first place. Be careful then who you tell your dream to because if you tell your dream to your constituents they will desert you and try to fulfill the dream without you if you tell it to your comrades they won't support it because they never were for what you were for anyway if you find a few people in your entire life with whom you can share your dream with you are a blessed somebody I can tell you how to identify people who are really for you. If they are really for you, they will weep with you, with you when you weep, and they will rejoice when you rejoice. When you walk in a room and you tell somebody good news, stop being happy for a minute and watch their reaction. If they're not happy for you, shut your mouth and walk back out of the door. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying to you. Oh, yeah, because when they are really connected to you, they will be happy for you when you share your dream. Find somebody, look at me and say, are you happy for me? 
If you don't get the right reaction, don't tell them anything else. You need somebody who's really going to be happy for you. I don't want just anybody praying for me. I don't want none of them haters praying for me because you know you hate me and you don't want me to succeed. I want somebody praying for me who really wants me to be blessed, who wants me to be an overcomer so you can put up your oil and stop speaking in tongues because you know you never did speak to me anyway and ain't no need in you coming up here in this hospital like you're going to pray some cancer up off of me. I'd rather have somebody who really loves me lay across the bed and rebuke the devil. And God is so faithful. He'll always give you somebody. Oh, if you ever send anybody into your life to help you, you ought to just clap your hands and thank him for the people he sent. Don't worry about the people he took. You ought to praise him for the people he sent. Tell somebody, say, somebody help me. I didn't get here by myself. Somebody helped me to get here. Somebody taught me how to stand. Somebody got me behind the gate. Somebody taught me the protocol of the pilot. Somebody encouraged me when I felt like dropping out of school. Somebody helped me when my back was up against the wall. Somebody mentored me when I was going through a divorce. Somebody helped me when I was going through a crisis. God is so faithful that he will never leave himself without a witness. He will send somebody. Yeah, he's going to send somebody, and sometimes that person he's sending is the person that's standing next to you. It might be the person uh, who says a word to you and gives you some encouragement. It may someone, maybe someone, maybe a student, might be a, a colleague, might be an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend calling with some information, or it could be a person on the bus. It could be the person you're standing next to on the train. Who knows? I mean, but I found in my own life that oftentimes that I have a conversation with some person. You know, at some event or at the subway store or something, and they'll say something that's very profound to what I'm dealing with at that moment that I've never articulated. And I'm a firm believer that God will send people in different guises to um, speak to you. It might, they, you know, they might look like a person in a suit. They might be a person in a dress. It could be the homeless person that you keep avoiding. But for some reason, they say something to you. And I've noticed every time I've been, I've walked down the street. Almost once a week, someone's going to say something to me who I, you, who I don't even know. It may just be a comment about something that's really that's really relevant to what I'm thinking about. So, you know, God's always going to send you somebody. But, again, it's really about what do you want? Do you want someone to say, hey, look, what's going on in your life? And here's an idea. The next week is the same thing. The next week is the same thing. There's, you already know what you want to do. Your heart's been telling you for a day, for a week, for a month. For a year, two years, four years, five years, seven years, and you're sitting back and you're thinking there's something special about Prince, there's something special about Beyonce, there's something special about President Obama and Michelle Obama. You think there's something special about everybody else but you, and you're so far from the truth. I know the popular um, phrase is that people like to say we're born in sin, but if God created us and we know He did, He, he doesn't make he, He's not going to make something with sin. We're born great. It's the world that is the world of which we fall into sin. But we're born great. We're not born sinners. We're born great because God made us. All right? Some people may have a problem with that, but too bad. Because we can't go through life saying back, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Like you are less than. You are born great. There's a mission in your life you're supposed to be doing. But you're wondering if things are even going to change and change really going to come. Which is very ironic because 
You know, I think we, should, we need to hear a little Sam Cooke on that phrase there because I think he did a great song back in the day called uh, Chain Is Gonna Come. So let's flow that right now so we can get on to some other business. There's a young brother over at Sony I want to talk about named Devon Franklin, but we'll come to him in a moment, all right? Uh, Mr. Cook, are you a flow thing a little about change? Change is going to come. Change has came, it has come to your life already. But I think because you're looking at the end game of where you want to be, you're not looking at the victories you've had in your own life up until this point in your life. I'm sure you can look back. We can all look back. I can look back where you thought things were just despair of darkness. That's not or whiteness because I hate thing. I hate when they say dark has to do with something negative. But when despair has enveloped your heart and soul, and you thought it was never going to get better, 
It might have been that person that walked out on you who you have who you had loved more than anything, and you really tried to help them. You really tried to be their friend. You really tried to be there for them, and they just walked away from you like you were nothing. Your heart was nothing. Your love was nothing. Your emotion was nothing. You were nothing. You were less than, and you were probably laying there heartbroken. Now, some people might have been, you know, thank God, you know, Satan has left, but it may be a job that you were fired from, and, you, were, you know, you put everything into it, but then, you know, look where you are right now. Maybe you need to start looking at the things that have already happened in your life. Now, again, you may be exactly where you want. You may say, this is exactly where I want to be. It's your life. I'm not going to say, who am I to sit back and say your life is nothing and, you know, you need to be great and go do great things. I'm not saying that to you. That's a little, you know, I wouldn't do that. What I am saying is that there are things and challenges we all have, but for some reason we just sit back and let those challenges defeat us. Hollywood is the one place. It's very interesting because the difference between Hollywood and New York, particularly comes entertainment, there's so many people in filmmaking, particularly actors and stuff like that, whatever, give away their power to some casting director or some person. Music, though, on the East Coast, I've noticed, but pretty much in the, in, in the music itself, they know they have the power. They can put something together, throw it on iTunes, and put it out. But when it comes to Hollywood, it's really you have to go through this casting director who's hired by this director, who's hired by this producer, who has to talk with the writer. And if the writer's the director, then there's that dynamic. If the writer's the director and the producer, there's that dynamic. And the actor's sitting there saying, what's going on? Do I have any control o- o- over my career? But you know, what have you done in this life that you thought you would never do? What point in your life did you really think that was it? Your life was finished. And here it is, years later, days later, weeks later, who knows? You're still strong. You're still here. Go do what you want to do with your life. Don't have those final moments where you have regrets. We talked about Hollywood a little bit. Let's listen to his brother, Devon Franklin. Cool, brother. I think we spoke on the phone once years back, and I've always wanted to reconnect with him. We're supposed to do lunch. But he's, you know, he's, a, he's doing a lot of stuff, and this never happened. May it happen in the future. I'll just put up to the spirits right now. But he spoke about this at the graduate at a graduation some time ago. I think he's uh, 33, 35, something like that. So let's give him a listen, all right? It's about a little, little under 10 minutes. If I had one thing to say to you, I would say this. Stay on track. How many people have written Bart? <laughs> yes, I think all of us probably here have uh, had at least one or two, if some of us probably more, rides on BART. When you get your ticket on BART, you can get on and you can intend to get off at Fruitvale. But sometimes we'll get listening to our music, we'll be talking, we'll be figuring out what's going on, and we will miss our stop. Anybody ever missed your stop on BART? <laughs> That's what we call a distraction. While you are on this college track, I want you to be aware of distractions. These four years in high school have prepared you now to actually get on college track. I know many of you think that you've been on the track already, but actually these four years have just given you your ticket. Now as you are about to get on the college train, there will be distractions. When you get to college, let me tell you, there is going to be fun. There are parties, there are get-togethers, there are social gatherings, there are clubs. There are all these different things that can easily get your attention. 
I am not telling you when you go to college not to enjoy yourself. But what I am suggesting is don't let the music get you distracted from where you're going. I know, look, I, I'm like you all. Look, I, I, I like to dance, you know. I, I know all about, you know, G5 boys and, and their dance, and, and I know some of us like to do the Halle Berry and all of that. But you can get a degree in Little Wayne, but let me tell you that, that's not going to pay the bills. You've got to get your college degree, and I guarantee you that degree will provide from you for generation to generation to generation. Don't let the music abstract you from the things that are actually going to take you where you need to go. Another distraction that I have found while I was in school, it's very easy to uh, get to college and, and, and lose your sense of responsibility. Because there are so many things that, that you can do and, and you lose your focus. But I encourage you, don't lose your focus. Remember the reason why you are there. It is to get your education. I remember, I went to USC. Um, I started uh, back in 96. And I remember there were moments, once I got to college and I got there on campus, one of the distractions I had to fight ongoing quite honestly, with myself, self-doubt. There were times I sat in my dorm room and I didn't think I was good enough, didn't think I could handle it, didn't think that I, I had the intelligence to really be able to complete it. I'm here to tell you that those are just distractions. Now, if you get distracted, the danger with distractions is that you can get so distracted on bark that you lose your way on how to get back to where you were headed in the first place. And some of us might be tempted to stop. While you're on this college track, there are things that might make you think it's okay to stop. Money. How many have already started figuring out how they're going to pay for these next four years? And let me tell you, when you look at the loans and you look at what you can do, I know it's so easy, especially in this economy, to say, well, I just can't afford it. Let me tell you this. Don't ever let money be the reason why you don't pursue your education. There are people out here who want to help you do what you're doing. Don't ever say, well, I don't have it. Call up every person you know. Tell them to call every person they know. I tell you that if you need the money, there are organizations, there are people, there are donors that will make sure you get what you need. One other area that might make you stop, family. Uh, not everything is peaceful, not everything the way we would like it. Um, I remember growing up in a home where my father died of a heart attack at the age of 36. I was eight years old when he died. There were times when I was there, I felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should be home providing for my mother. I, I was, in my immediate family, the first um, person to actually complete a college degree. But there were times when I said, well, maybe my responsibility is back home. But what I realized is that I'm in a much better position to help my family now that I've completed my degree than if I had stopped going to school and tried to help them. I have more resources, I have more intelligence, I have a stronger network, so now my family can benefit from my education. I encourage you, don't stop. Stay on track.
Now, the question is, though, what is your destination? I can't determine that for you. Your parents can't determine that for you. You, once you get on that track, have to determine where it is you are headed. Don't let our destination of greatness be so fixated on what we see externally. Oh, it's got to be the house. I've got to have the bling. I've got to have the chrome. I've got to have the rims. I've got to have the look. Don't get me wrong. All those things are fine, all right? I sit on a low chrome, too. It's okay, all right? But it's not at the expense of my education. It's not at the expense of taking care of my responsibilities. You want to know true greatness? True greatness comes in service. Service to yourself. Service to others. Service to your community. You don't believe me? Martin Luther King, he said, even if they ask you to sweep the streets, you sweep the streets just like Michelangelo painted because in service there is greatness. I encourage you to never give up serving. We live in a world where it's all about me. You know, where's my iPhone? Where's my iPod? Where's my money? Let me tell you this. If you live for yourself, I guarantee you there will be an emptiness in you. you got to live for more than just you. Because let me tell you, where you're headed and your destination, there are far more people that will benefit than you might realize. I know that we celebrated in November that uh, President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama are in office. That's a celebration, right? I'm here to tell you that while we love them and we want them to do as great as they can, they can only serve for eight years. What are you doing about finding their replacement? In this room right here, graduates, there is the next President Barack Obama. There is the next First Lady Michelle Obama. And you have to start thinking like there is right now. Graduates, I want you to do something for me. Have the hand of the graduate next to you. Doesn't matter, both hands. I want you to reach out and grab their hand. Now, as you are holding the hand of the graduate next to you, I want you to stand. Yeah, just stand up. All right. Now, see, what happens is that when you are holding on to the person next to you and you stand, you can't help but bring the next person up. I want you to remember this, that as you are pursuing and staying on track, keep holding on to your friends. Keep holding on to your family because the more you rise, the higher they rise. I want you to remember this feeling. While you're holding on to the passenger next to you, you're not alone. You're going to get to school. There's going to come a moment where you're going to want to stop. You're going to want to get off the track because you feel like you're going through it all by yourself. But I want you to remember this moment. As you are standing here, a passenger getting ready to take the challenge and the ride of college, you are not alone. And your help and support is just within an arm's reach. Just like college track helped you get you through four years of high school, there are people waiting at your university to help get you through four years of college. 2009 college track graduates, you have your ticket to ride. I'm so proud of you. I encourage you, 
stay on track. And even if you might get derailed, if you want it bad enough, you'd be surprised at how easy it is to get yourself right back where you belong, right on track to the destination that you deserve. I am proud of you, I applaud your achievement, and I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Is that right on time or what, people? A lot of us are proud of you. There's a lot of people out there proud of what you're doing in your life, but you're not really focusing on that, and you're being distracted. You're being distracted by, you know, look, let's get down, let's get down, let's get gully here. Life is hard these days with the economy for a lot of people. You're not sure, people aren't sure they're going to make their rent by the first, they're not sure they're going to be able to keep their phones on. People are struggling. But you know what? You didn't live during slavery, and I don't think you lived during colonialism unless you have a certain generation. They had it real tough back there, real tough. And I think the mistake we think is that we think we had it hard. You're not being lynched. I mean, there's certain racial issues going on right now in the country, but for the most part, you have everything you need. You had people liberating countries, you know, getting freedom, marching. They didn't have no Twitter, Flickr, Facebook, um, email, Internet, cell phones, Texas pages. They had nothing. And yet they were mobilizing thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world. So if they could do that, or just having a microphone in the church, what are you waiting for? I mean, come on. It really comes down to about what do you want to do, and do you really want to do it bad enough? You know, I don't like L.A. I don't like California. I, I just, it's not really the, um, in reference to the weather. The weather's great. It's just that all my family is back east. But as Brother Devon said, I just feel that for me to help the people I want to help, it's not just back east, it's back in the country of Congo. I have to do what I have to do, put myself in a better place to make those accomplishments, to make those things happen. It's like Jay-Z said, he can't help nobody if he's poor. Like he said, talking about living average, why do you want to live average? But so many people do live average. They have a job, they go 9 to 5. Tomorrow, Monday's coming. Here's Easter, again, I said earlier. Today's Easter and everybody's celebrating, having a good time and Worshipping and quoting scripture and talking about Jesus this, God that, and all this stuff. Feeling the spirit, giving the love, and they go home, and then all of a sudden, you know, they still have the joy, and it just gets off just a little bit. And they start, you know, they start doing their work, they start getting ready, they start, you know, sitting down for dinner or whatever, and that, that high gets, wears down just a little bit more. And just as they're going to bed, they're laying there, and they're about to hit that light, they lay in that bed, and they look at the darkness and they say, oh my God, tomorrow I have to go to work. So everything they went through this, this day was for nothing. So many of us go through that. There are times, there are times I've actually, I love teaching. Teach, you know, teaching's not a job to me. It's fun. It's a calling. I have fun with it. Of course, there are challenges, but you know, hey, so what? Life is a challenge. People say my expectations are high, but so what? Expectations for me are high. I'm not going to lower my expectations down for anybody. It's Mr. Oh, my God, there was a teacher Mr. Lamb said, I think his name is Mr. Lamb, when he was teaching at New Design Charles School in Taiwan. I love the guy because we were both immigrants and we talked about education. And when you talk about other immigrants about education, there's a commonality of understanding how serious education is. And I'll never forget he said this. He said, you know, the school doesn't lower itself down to the student. The student rises up to the school. So for me, it's like I'm not lowering my expectation. If some people, think, you know, because it's been more often than not that some young brothers are going to think I'm picking on them. But you know why? I'm holding them accountable. It's like, look, I'm not expecting you to fail. I'm not expecting you to be average. I'm expecting you to be great. But, you know, I'm competing. You know, I'm teaching a, a lot, you know, in my career of teaching. I've taught along teachers, alongside teachers who were like, 
They want their, they expect their child, their student to be average. So the student tries to achieve being average. Then they meet that teacher who's like, yo, bring the mission. I don't care. I don't hear an excuse. Oh, this guy, this person's picking on me. And, oh, I'm going to tell the principal and try to get this person fired. Well, you know what? So what? My brother's a teacher. I know how he gets down. He just passed his ES, I think it's ESL certification today. My family's full of teachers. We're all teachers. and my, We all teach in our own medium, in our own way. We're not expecting anything less. I I once I once watched a show that my sisters had. Uh, they did with origination. I think it was um, our story or something like that. And I was watching the video of the show with my sisters on the DVD. It was about three, two years back, or three years back. And there was a there was a performance on stage, about twenty dancers. I'll never forget. I think it was Moadi and Musa were sitting there because Yanja and Shamba went to the kitchen, and they were look. They were like, "Oh my God!" They said, "Oh, so so and so made a mistake on that twirl." Okay, so and so made a mistake on that move right there, and they were talking about people in the back of the group, and they weren't like calling them out. They were just sitting like, "See, so and so made a mistake there." I have a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a long time. We have to read his name's Chris. I have to reconnect with him, but he was a special effects guy. You know, we could watch a, a commercial and say, oh, my God, that looks so awesome. That effect is nice. That is that. You watch, I would watch a commercial with him, and he would say, okay, they, they didn't use the right after effect there, or there was a problem with the rendering in that shot. And you're like, what are you talking about? I mean, they, they would look at it that way. So what, you know, you're, there's something that you're looking at with a certain eye. You know, here's something I'm going to share with you. In fact, I'm going to share with you after this song. Let's go to a little music here and uh, get down a little bit because, you know, look, it, it's really – it it really is about you, all right? But if you don't want to, you know, you can wish all you want. So what are you wishing for? What are you wishing for? Every city, every hood, and every block, get on America. Rolling through the hood, just stop by to say what's up. And let you know your baby boy ain't doing so tough. Even though you've passed going on for long years Still waking up late at night crying tears Just thinking about those days you used to talk to me Smiling while I'm sipping on it And remember we brag on how rich we would be To get up out this hood was like a fantasy Oh, I can't believe my ears and what everybody's saying Boy, I tell you, folks don't know the half I would give it all up just to take one ride with you. How I used to kick it on the front porch with you. How I used to lay back with you. And all the little business party joints we do. Now I'm just missing you. How I wish I still hold you now. I need answers, Mama. Robert. I need answers. 
sun. Ever since this money comes, it's been nothing but stress. Sometimes I wish that I could just trade in my success. Y'all look at me and say, boy, you've been blessed. But y'all don't see the inside of my unhappiness. Man, I swear it gets heavy like a ton. That's why you hear me shooting this real soft like mm, I wonder how my friends would treat me now. If I wasn't iced up with a Bentley and a high. That's why fake cookies, fake digits, and fake players get a real pair hating them. Honey, love goes platinum in y'all. Come on now. Y'all don't wanna raise the roof into my sick going shine. Oh, I can't believe my ears and what everybody's saying. Boy, I tell you, folks don't know the half. I would give it all up just to take one ride. How I used to zoop up in the tournament. How I used to club hop on weekends. Family call the morning of a tragic end. My condolences. I wish that I could hold you now. people what are you wishing for out there i mean come on you know it's like wishing is nice one of my students i believe in the seventh grade actually said that 
dreams are wishful thinking in the future. This is one of my seventh graders. I wish I got a, well, I'm going to say I wish now, right? I need to get a copy of that paper she wrote because it, it was awesome. I think it was written uh, either by the girl they call Joyce Garon. I don't know if her name is Cute Guy. That's her email. But what are you wishing for? Okay, you're wishing all you want, but you're nowhere near closer. What are you doing to make that dream happen? I mean, come on, people. I mean, let's get let's get real here. Let's stop all this. Oh, you know, woe is me. Oh, screw that stuff. You know, what are you waiting for? What are you hoping for? Are you going through a magazine looking for advice? Are you going through scripture looking for advice? You can pray all you want, but there's no prayer if there's no action goes that prayer. You're gonna be praying for a long time sitting there. You know, you sitting back watching TV, saying, "My God, three people hit the lottery for two hundred sixty million dollars." After taxes, like $197 million, and divide by three is like $90 million, something like that, whatever. Okay, that's nice, but why settle for $90 million when God might have in your future $400 million? There are people on Wall Street that make that a year. Think about that. $400 million. Think about that. And you're sitting back wondering, you know, wow, they won. Okay, well, maybe there's something out there waiting for you. Maybe you've already won the lottery. And once you get out of that valley of death, that valley of despair, that valley of, of desperation, you achieve it. But what do you want to do? We had an audition the other day. It was a challenge finding this character. But this young lady named Brandy McGee came in for this audition. She got recommended by Tangerine Martin All right, for this project we're doing Border Clash. Now, you talk to, you talk to Brandy. You know, okay, she's beautiful. Okay, it's cool. A lot of women are beautiful, but it's her mind that can grab your throat. Because talking to her, you can just she just has an articulation of thought in reference to how she sees the world. She walks into the audition. First off, she wants to prepare with the actress she's reading with. They did it like two or three times. All right, the actress's name was a Charlotte Plummer. And let me tell you something. I could hear them in the rehearsals bringing the I shouldn't say this, but I don't care. Bringing the mission. I mean, they were just laying it down like what? Then when they get into the audition, hell, my God. Brandy and, and Charlotte nuked it. Brandy just, she just, she nailed it. She just nailed it. She just nailed it. And then you found in the conversation she was doing research. And the thing is, she did research. She asked questions. She had an idea of what she needs to do. But some people don't do research. They want to do this. I assume they want to be a detective. She knows what I'm talking about. But she don't want to do a lot of work. I'm like, well, how are you going to be a detective? <laughs> you know? A lot of people don't want to put that work. They don't want to do the research. Diana Ross did it, I think, in Lazing to Blue. She said she went to research that character, the character's background, similar people in history that she could relate to. But what are you researching? You want to be a dentist, like the cartoon says, the Christmas special? You want to be a police officer? You want to be a lawyer? What do you want to do? Are you researching? Are you making the time now? Are you saying, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z? Or are you just sitting back and, you know, it's going to happen and, you know, the door is going to open and you're going to find yourself in, in the world of dentistry? What are you doing to make it happen? Seriously, what are you doing to make it happen? Let's give a little music here, all right? A little, um, are you feeling the power and do you have love? Because a friend of mine, Nina, posted something about the colony people need to love each other. And that's Afro Pay because. You know what? You can want what you want. But if you have no love in your heart, it's not going to happen. Let's get a little love here to a little live music. Mm-hmm. 
I don't got all the answers. And I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm not the person that's going to, like, open the door to everybody because, you know, we I have my own challenges in life. But I do believe that I'm here for a reason. And I find that when I'm the most restless is when I'm not following the purpose for my life. I may not know exactly what it is. I know it's tied to Congo. <laughs> There's no question about that. But it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, um, your, your life, people are like sharks. You ever know why a shark swims left and right? It emits pretty much electronic radar. It's detecting the electric, it's looking for the electrical impulses from a, from a fish, or maybe a body, whatever, but a fish. Okay? So it goes back and forth, back and forth. And the further it goes to the left or right, the weaker the signal gets. So it comes back a little, it comes back a little closer. Then it goes, the further it goes to the left, it comes back a little closer. The further it goes to the right, that's how it homes in. People are the same way. The GPS, yes, keeps, keeps us on track of where we're supposed to go, but it's the, elect, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the elect, it's the electromagnetic pulse that the shark is sensing that's saying what I'm looking for is in this direction. GPS will keep you in that direction, but you need to know what direction you're heading in the first place. Where is what you're looking Where is the destination? Where is it? You're saying you want this, but what is the destination for you? Some people will say, oh, you know, when I make a lot of money, I make enough money, I'll do that. You will never make enough money. When this situation changes, then I'll do this. That situation will never, that situation will never change. When this situation becomes better in this way, I'll do that. That situation will never become better in that way for you to do that. You're stuck. The thing is, you're feeling that restlessness in your spirit. You're feeling that restlessness in your heart, and you're figuring out that something is wrong. But what's wrong is that you're not living the life that was set for you. Not for me. Not for your friends. This life was set for you. And there's a grace upon you that you are ignoring. And everybody has that grace in them. Everybody. Everybody is anointed. Everybody is anointed. You have to stop thinking. It might not be you. It might be some person that's very close to you that you know is thinking like this. That feels that, oh, somebody else has the blessings. Oh, somebody else is anointed. Oh, somebody else has the grace of God. Oh, someone else has the grace of this. Or whatever your belief may be. You may not even believe in God. But you know what? You're here for a reason. You need to find what that reason is. You are blessed with so much power, it's not even funny. Stop being afraid of who you're supposed to be. Let your enemies be afraid of who you're supposed to be. All right? That's all that really matters. You have to get that in your head. Let your enemies be afraid of who you're supposed to be. What you need to do is burn the past. If you keep living in the past, you're going to stay there. There's actually a cut from The Kingdom that came out a couple years ago by Ridley Scott called Burning the Past. Let's rock that right now. So as we play this, we are burning your past. Set yourself free from your past. Take the shackles off of despair, heartbreak, disappointment, betrayal. Burn it and leave it there. Stop living back there because, you know, it's true. Every time you talk about what happened, anytime you talk about what was bad that happened to you in your life, you relive those emotions. So right now, let's burn that past.
alright, it's gone. You can't bring it back unless you can time travel. You can't make that change. We are ha- all we have is the here and now, right now, ten fifteen p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I don't know what time zone you're in, but right now, whatever time it is, that's what you got. In the moments we have been listening, we've been talking together. The moments, the moments we've been on air together. The only way we're going to get it back is we actually play this episode again, and you can hear what we talked about, and hopefully you can relive your thoughts. But the events that happened before you and I joined each other today, it's not going to change. Unless you can go back in time through the wormhole, the black hole, or whatever, the jet relativity stream, who knows? You can't change it. All you have is right now. Or if it's not you, it's someone close to you. But you know what? It gets to the point where you have to walk away. Devon Franklin talked about this analogy, and I really love it, because he's a vice president of production over at Sony. And I heard him say, I think, at the Crystal Church Cathedral. And it's true. Like, it's, he told the story about the potter. You know about the potter. He was making something out of clay. There was a mistake. So he, instead of throwing out the clay, he just made the changes and continued on with the work. He said God does the same thing with people. And he used a screenplay as, a, as an example, which is very apropos because I write screenplays. And what happens, you write screenplays for a movie, we'll say Avengers, you write the screenplay, and he, he even gave love to writers. You want to talk about dedication and persistence uh, and, uh, devoid of human contact, be a screenwriter or an author or something like that. Now, you turn the script to the studio, and they send back all these notes. And these notes say, you have to take out this character, you have to move this character over, this, move this scene up, take this scene out, move this scene backwards, and make this scene longer, and make this dialogue shorter, and make this a little funnier. You get those kind of notes, and the screenwriter will look at the notes and make changes. Sometimes not willingly, but when they see that check they're supposed to get, they'll say, oh, yeah, no problem. God, and it was very interesting. He said God does the same thing. God's telling you there are the, the, the screenplay of your life because he already knows how it ends. He wrote the screenplay of your life. He wrote it already. Before you were born, he wrote it. And, again, if, you, if you're not a believer of God, if, you, if you're a believer of a different faith, it's still your faith. Your faith is what's, keeping you, is what's keeping you going every day. So he talks about how, and I love this analogy he talks about, uh, Brother Devon Franklin. Is that he says God is telling you that He's giving you the notes on your life. You need to move this character out. You need to move this person out. You need to change this scene, and you don't want to do it because you're worried about hurting someone's feelings. You know what? It's their feelings. Too bad. And then you get the notes back. You make them change. They give you some more notes. They give you some more notes. That's why sometimes these movies, you sit back and you watch them and you say, "Wow, it looks like it was written by different people." Yeah, you, they're called studio heads. <laughs> so. You know, one guy will say there's too much comedy, and this guy will say there's not enough comedy. One person will say there's not enough love, some person will say there's too much love. And you have to figure out how to walk that trampoline. If they don't like it, and they spend millions of, as he said, uh, Mr. Franklin said, they spend millions of dollars on these scripts. And if they have to, they'll give you the script and hire a whole new writer and bring it in. God doesn't walk away from you. And you might say, oh, my God, now you're getting all religious. No, no, listen to me, what I'm saying to you. God wrote the script for your life, and he's giving you the notes of what you need to do, and you're not following the notes. And the more you do not follow the notes that's written on your life, that is your, that is the screenplay of your life, you will be where you are forever. The longer you avoid those notes, the longer will you, you'll be where you are. You already know there's some that you shouldn't be around. You already know there's some person you shouldn't be with. You already know you're at a job you're not supposed to be at. You already know you're at a school that you don't want to be at. You already know you're majoring in a, in, a, in a major that you don't want to study. You already know you don't want to be in school, but you're doing it because somebody said you should be there. You don't want to let all these people down. Look, you are living your life. Your life is the best thing out there. It's waiting for you to take it. Someone said life is short, then it's gone. Tomorrow is coming. Do you want to wake up? I have been to campus sometimes, and I've sat 
stood on the corner before I crossed that street, and I can feel in my heart that someone's talking to me. It's God saying, there's a rest of this in your life side. It's, it's going to be time to go soon. And I'll look at the sky. I'll put the cross on my chest. And then I'll just go in that building and I'll say, hey, what's up, what's up? But I know. I can feel it. But the thing is, what are you going to do? You have the grace already in you, but you're not looking at the notes that are in your life. There are people that are not supposed to be there. You need to let them go. They may be all this to you, but you'll find out, look, let someone go now, and you'll say, you'll say, thank God. You won't say it today, but one day you will, and then you will see. But if you're holding on to this person because you're afraid of not having other friends, this person might be the one that's keeping other friends, that's people that's supposed to be in your life from you because they don't want to be around you because you have this lunatic in your life that might be your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or best friend, or whatever. So the thing is, what are you following the notes in your life? It's being told you, but you don't want to do it. You don't want to leave that job. You don't want to leave that. You don't want to leave that school. You don't want to leave that relationship. You don't. Sometimes it's, a, it's sometimes it's the church or synagogue or the mosque you're going to. That's the issue. You want to be under a leadership where you can grow. You want to be in a place where you can show and be who you can be. You haven't achieved everything that you're supposed to achieve. I look at my own life and I believe that. And every day I wake up and say, God. Thank you for another day, which is another day close to my destiny. And I've seen visions of my life, almost like a trailer. You know, cut, scene comes in, cut. Scene comes in, cut. Scene comes in, cut. And I'm like, okay, but why am I not there yet? And you get that frustration, and you try to manipulate the situation. Don't do it, because all you're going to do is you're going to manipulate the situation, and you're going to think you get the best, and what happens? You have a, the best that's temporary, and you find out the, 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 the best becomes the worst, and you're stuck for life. Because trust me, whatever mistake you make, admit the mistake and move on. Because you know what? God is working it out for you. This is for you, Crystal Strachan. Take this. Of life. Seems to weigh you down. And you don't know which way to turn. God is concerned, and He's working it out for you. Can I get a witness? The child that's on cocaine The break and change Oh, that marriage That's on the verge Of breaking up Although sometimes You have Oh, 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 oh,
despair. We have about two minutes left here. Don't despair. Don't give up. Don't think you're a failure. Don't think you're nothing. Don't think, oh, I have these kids. Kids are a blessing. I mean, sometimes I know they don't seem like it. You want to choke them sometimes, but they're a blessing. Don't. If you have a job and the checks are clearing (laughs) in this economy, be grateful. What are you grateful for? Start writing down. I have to get back to this habit. I used to always have a book open, a journal by the front door, and I'd write in that journal every day what what I'm grateful for. Tomorrow, my student's assignment is going to be like this. Write down five things you're grateful for. That's one. Do it yourself. Remind yourself. You know, one day a young student walked up to me and said, Mr. Dabinga, you know, what you said yesterday, you really motivated us. That really touched me. The, day, the next day, uh, another student like, Mr. Dabinga, you don't come speak to us at assembly. You know, we want to hear some more inspirational words. And that really touched me because a lot of times when I speak in public, I don't know what I'm You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I just go by what the Spirit says to speak and. God will put the words in me to deliver. He's coming through me. You know, it's not about me. It's about the words that come come out. So that's why, you know, a lot of times if you see me after I've spoke publicly and you ask me to repeat what I said, I couldn't tell you. I just go by what the Spirit says. But it's not me. It's, it's the Spirit of God. But that's just my faith. Whatever your faith is, believe in your faith, but have faith. Have conviction. Don't believe. You have to have conviction. You have to be like that girl at Columbine when they came up to her with a gun. And she was a believer. She was a Christian. And they put the gun to her head, and, and they said, so you believe in Christ? She said, yeah, and they blew her head off. Blew her brains out. I'm not saying, you know, put yourself in a life in a situation, but she had conviction. She's like, yo, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Yes, I believe. Another story, God's angel of death. Uh, this warlord was going through the Middle East back in the day. This homeless person walked up to him, and the guy was going to run him over. He said, you know, who are you? Who are you? So the guy said, you know, the, the, the warlord said, yeah, I'm going to run you over. The guy said, I just have a message for you. So the guy walked up to him and pulled, he pulled on the guy's shirt and put him down closer. He goes, I'm the angel of death. The war, I'm here to take you to God. The warlord said, wait, let me go tell my family. Let me go say goodbye. Let me go do all these kind of things. Is that the fact? The guy said, no, too bad. Let's go. You come with me right now. And he took, he killed, he, the guy, the warlord fell to the ground dead. A couple of days later, this home, this uh, struck, the street person was going to the Middle East. Way back in the day, the times of Christ, back in the biblical days, was walking down the street, saw the angel. 
and the same guy walked up to him. The angel walked up to him and said, you know, you're coming with me. He goes, wait a minute, who are you? He goes, I'm the angel of death. I'm the angel of God. I'm sorry, I'm the angel of God. You're going to come with me. The guy dropped to his knees and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm finally going to see Jesus. I'm finally going to see the Lord. I'm finally going to be seeing God face to face. The angel of God said, you know what? You have, you know, because of your faith, you have 20 more years. Goodbye. What are you waiting for? What are you believing for? Do you have that kind of faith of joy when the time comes? Or are you still enslaved? Be free. I, you know, be free in your life. I hope I said some stuff that will help you. I hope I said stuff that will help you through your life. I hope I said some things that might give you some answers. I hope I said something that gives you, that gets you a little closer to what your answer is. But, hey, look, reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter. Let's have this conversation. We're all on this together. We're all on this planet. You're going to be great. We're all going to be great. Make a difference. Because you know what? You've already burnt the past. You already know what he's doing for you. Now we're free. Psychic Casa de Benga, live and direct from Los Angeles. Talk to you later. I am gone. Mm-hmm.